Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Support for this podcast comes from the law firm Fenwick, supporting their clients' passion for tech and life sciences innovation, online at fenwick.com. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. The vast majority of Californians will be living under the state's tightest COVID restrictions so far starting today. So what's changing and why are restrictions increasing? KQED politics reporter Katie Orr starts us off with a look. Governor Gavin Newsom and his top health advisors are concerned about a sharp jump in California's COVID cases. They're rising at a level that, if unchecked, Newsom says could overwhelm the state's health care system. Every age group, every demographic, racial, ethnic, uh, in every part of the state, uh, we are seeing case rates increase and positivity rates increase as well. To combat the surge, California is placing more counties into its most restrictive tier, limiting many non-essential indoor activities. The move affects 94 percent of the state's population. Masks will also now be required whenever you leave your home, including exercising if you can't stay six feet away from others. Newsom says he's also considering whether some kind of statewide curfew should be implemented, though he hasn't decided. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. For more on the state's new approach, announced yesterday, Dr. Kirsten Bibbins-Domingo joins me. She's chair of the UC San Francisco Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So the governor is using the language of pulling an emergency break on our reopening blueprint. What does that mean to you exactly? Well, I think the emergency break is a is a reasonable way to think about it. I sort of have liked the imagery that people are using that we want to dial up or dial back, depending on what we see. And the problem is what we're seeing now in California is an uptick of cases, an uptick of hospitalizations. We know that usually what follows that is an uptick of deaths. And while we're not in the same crisis that the rest of the country is in right now, we do know that the winter months, the cooler weather, the holidays, those are all times when we want to go inside, we want to be with many more people. And that makes the next few weeks and months a risky time. And we don't want to be opening up and being less restricted during a time when there's more risk in the environment. So I think it's a good move. Do you think that that's ultimately what this is really about, messaging, or is there a real on-the-ground necessity here? 
I think the strength of California's response throughout has been being proactive, anticipating what the threat is that's coming, and taking the appropriate measures both to signal that we have to be cautious and actually to effectively um, make us in a little bit of a safer position to face this threat. And that's what I see the governor doing here. He's not being reactive that we're in some type of catastrophe now. He's saying everything is telling us we're likely to be moving in that direction. And while we are moving in that direction, we don't want to also be reopening and just accelerating these cases. We know in other parts of the country that have not been as cautious, that have been more lax in mask wearing or opening indoor dining and other things, that the cases start to go up and then there's the exponential growth of cases. And once you're in that phase, there's very little to do except a full-on shutdown. And we don't want to get there. Dr. Bibbins Domingo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, as California's COVID cases rise at the fastest rate since the pandemic started, a group of state lawmakers is 2,500 miles away in Honolulu, Hawaii. They're attending a policy conference. Joining us now is Hannah Wiley. She's a reporter with the Sacramento Bee. Good morning to you. And Hannah, why don't we start with what this conference is and why state lawmakers are there? So this is a conference held by the Independent Voter Project. It's a San Diego-based organization best known for uh, organizing this event, but also putting the 2008 measure on the ballot that made California a top two primary system. It's really a nonpartisan uh, or an organization, a group that, quote, empowers nonpartisan voters. But it's an annual conference that brings together lawmakers and lobbyists, industry representatives to talk about policy. It's in Hawaii, so obviously there's food to be had, drinks to be had. It's at a resort, a good mix of policy and, I guess, possibly a vacation. And in the course of reporting this story, you spoke with the conference organizer who said, that participants are there learning how to reopen the economy safely, especially within the hotel and services sector. It's hard to read that and not just shake your head. Right. Legislators are working with the other participants and um, Hawaii's services and hotel uh, industry to, to learn how can we open up our economy, especially within the tourism industry, despite living with the virus. So for the next day or so, I would imagine you're going to be spending your time focusing on figuring out which state lawmakers are there. At this point, do we have a sense of which parties they're with? So Howell did decline to give names and exact numbers of how many California lawmakers are in attendance. But traditionally, the event polls moderate Democrats in California, a handful of Republicans, and he did confirm that members of both parties are at the conference. And Hannah, this story is breaking as California and the nation are experiencing the fastest growth in COVID cases so far in this pandemic. Gavin Newsom also apologized yesterday for attending a social gathering, even as he's encouraged the rest of us not to do so. So taken together, what kind of message do you think all of this sends to Californians? It does raise questions about if uh, Californians are being asked to stay home for Thanksgiving, they're being asked not to travel out of state for non-essential business or non-essential activities. It does raise questions about why these legislators have decided to go to Hawaii then for a conference when 
all year, other conferences have been canceled to curb the spread of COVID-19. And this week was a disappointing one in California. Like you said, rates are increasing. Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom issued an apology for attending a friend's birthday party. And we're coming to grips with the fact that we might not be able to see our loved ones during the holidays. So this news just adds another little complicated element in in the directions coming from state officials. All right. The Sacramento Bee's Hannah Wiley. Thanks for the reporting on this. And I know you have a busy day ahead. Thank you so much for having me, Lily. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. A federal judge in San Francisco is considering whether to extend COVID-related rules to protect immigrants at an Immigration and Customs Enforcement Detention Center in Bakersfield. KQED's Sarah Hosseini reports... The for-profit Mesa Verde Processing Center saw a large outbreak over the summer. Back in August, Judge Vincent Chabria ordered ICE to temporarily halt new intakes and conduct weekly testing at Mesa Verde. At a hearing Monday, an ICE official said the agency acted to contain the outbreak on its own. Its lawyers say restrictions are no longer needed. Chabria repeatedly questioned why ICE still hasn't written a formal policy ensuring a vacant dorm for separating new or sick detainees. Advocates have argued that ICE can't be trusted and the court's continued direction is needed. For the California Report, I'm Sarah Hosseini. As the prospect of vaccines for the coronavirus comes closer to reality, public health officials and politicians are discussing how to distribute them and who would be first in line. Likely candidates include doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers, people with essential jobs that have a lot of public contact, and people in nursing homes and other congregate living. Alameda County's public defender would like to add another group to the priority list, staff and inmates in prisons and jails. Brendan Woods says it's not surprising that some of the state's worst outbreaks have been in prisons. People who are incarcerated have no means or ways to protect themselves. They're not allowed social distance, and they're living in these small, tiny communities in cells that they share that are usually like five feet by nine feet. You can't have hand sanitizers in most prisons. And Wood says when inmates get sick, the virus won't stay within prison walls. Correction staff, health workers, and vendors can all spread it in the larger community. In Southern California, toxic lead has long contaminated a working-class Latino neighborhood in Los Angeles, affecting homes, schools, and daycare centers. A battery recycler called Exide left it behind. Now, a state audit concludes cleanup around that facility will take longer than planned. KQED's Molly Peterson has the story. 
Lawmakers gave the Department of Toxic Substances Control about $250 million to address thousands of the dirtiest properties near where Exide broke down car batteries and spewed pollution before it closed. Regulators needed to clean up 25 to 30 properties a week to stay on track. And they have not accomplished that. At a hearing in Sacramento, California State Auditor Elaine Howell projected that work will now take till 2022, mostly because of insufficient oversight and contracting failures. One of the contractors, they actually decided to have that contractor stop cleaning up properties because the cost overruns were just too significant. Yes, mistakes had been made. DTSC Director Meredith Williams also blamed COVID-19 and bad weather for slowing work. But we are moving quickly and we do have the ability to course correct. Ingrid Brostrom, an advocate who directs the Center on Race, Poverty, and the Environment, said delays mean poor families will suffer. To an exposed child, this audit represents a lifetime of learning disabilities, a cognitive impairment, and of diminished opportunities. Brostrom said the problem is bigger than one facility in L.A. She pointed out that DTSC has yet to investigate more than 100,000 other contaminated sites. The truth is, there are likely many excites across the state. Just last month, a bankruptcy court approved Exide's plan to go out of business, a legal move that likely leaves California taxpayers footing the bill. Regulators vow they'll do more to prevent other companies from abandoning contamination in the future. For the California Report, I'm Molly Peterson in Los Angeles. And that is the California Report for this Tuesday, November 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening. Support for the California Report comes from the law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCOIE.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at SchmidtFutures.com, and Personal Capital, offering professional-grade financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary, PersonalCapital.com. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S.
Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!